0: Joshua chapter five, if you have it, say amen. Amen. Lord, touch us for the next few moments, we pray. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was there any spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Now from verse two on down through the next few verses uh, up until verse 10, uh, we uh, go, go with me to verse nine. We won't read to you for the sake of time, but basically God had instructed Joshua to reinstitute uh, circumcision. And there was a reason why, and we'll get that We'll get that, uh, the reason for it here in just a moment. But we don't wanna give you all the details for the sake of time, but just trust me, that's what they did in, in verses two through eight. Now verse nine. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Look at me and look with me in verse twelve again. The first part, the first four words, where it says, "And the manna ceased." And then at the middle of that verse, it says, neither had the children of Israel manna any more. I'm preaching tonight on this subject. God has been so good to us, but there's something better. God has been so good to us, but there's something better. Our pastor has... uh, over the years this you all know how he loves nature and how he loves animals this morning he talked about the pelican and from now on whenever i'm out fishing i'm gonna look for a brown pelican because if they know where the fish are then i'm gonna look for a brown pelican but uh you know he's talked and preached about eagles so much over the years and uh, just a tremendous series of messages on the eagle. Uh, But one thing he brought up in that, that I want to start off this message and just remind you of is that when an eaglet is ready to leave home, uh, there's, there comes a period where the mother eagle will make the nest uncomfortable because she knows the only way for an eaglet to leave the house and to move on to what it's intended to do, it has to be uncomfortable. And so the, eaglet, the eagle will make the nest uncomfortable and then therefore the eaglet gets nervous and anxious and wants to leave home, but it hasn't learned to fly yet. So what the, e- the mother eagle will do is she'll put the eaglet on its back and she will fly to the highest of heights. But as she is flying, she will turn over and flip over and the eaglet will fall off her back and start falling to the ground. And thereby, once it happens, once that happens, the eaglet has to tap into something that's already on the inside of him. If he doesn't, he will fall to its death. But something on the inside is there. It just has to be motivated. And the only way for the eaglet to begin to fly it has to first leave the house and in order to leave the nest, it has to become uncomfortable. But thank God, (laughs) once it reaches a height with its mother, the mother turns over, the eaglet begins to fall and then it learns how to fly and begins to fly because there's something on the inside that's already been implanted in him but it cannot know it until he's out on his own, until he's in a new place at a new level. And may I remind you tonight, Folks, I think I'm preaching to some folks who they know that God's been good to them. God has been good to them. But may I remind you, you've been in the nest long enough. You've been taken care of long enough. It's time for you to start flying with the eagles and stop walking around with the chickens. Amen. He's provided your every need. He's been good to you. And sometimes there's a danger in living in the goodness of God. Because when you live in the goodness of God so long, you don't want to go anywhere else. But may I remind you, the goodness of God is wonderful. The goodness of God is great, but it's not a place for us to stop. God has intended for us to fly and to get higher and to get to a new level. But listen tonight, you never will if you never understand that you've got wings, but you don't wanna fly. And I'm preaching to people tonight, I know I'm preaching to people, that you've got wings, but you just never learn how to fly. Listen. You can live somewhere long enough that you get used to your surroundings. You can get used to your comfort zone. And believe me, and I hate to, I hate to, I hate to feel. Uh, it sounds so braggadocious, but please don't get me wrong with what I'm saying. We we have something here that churches starve for and long for. I, I hope they do. I believe they do. That's why we got people every week. They're wanting to move here. People from Tennessee, North Carolina, they're trying to find places to live around this area. Not for jobs, not for better employment. They want to come to Rubyville. Why does that happen? Because your pastors aren't satisfied with just being, God being good to us. Because he's got something better for me. He's got something better for pastor. He's got something better for you. Amen. But the problem is, we're addicted to virtual reality. And some of us have been walking in virtual reality for so long, we don't even know Reality. You know what virtual reality is, don't you? My, my son, he got a VR headset for Christmas. And man, that thing is cool. In a matter of seconds, I can put on these goggles and I can be transported anywhere in the world, right from my living room. Forewarning <laughs> watch where you walk. <laughs> because a cliff might be your, your couch <laughs> and you might run into a wall or something and you don't even know it. But they give you a warning on those virtual reality headsets. They tell you don't live in that world for too long. Because if you live in that world for too long and you take them off, you lose your balance. You lose your way. You lose your inability to walk if you stay in that world for so long. And I believe the church world and I believe even Rubyville at one point in time, we've gotten so used to the goodness of God and we think we'll just park it here and there's nothing else for God to give us. I beg your pardon. God's got something better. Hallelujah. So now the children of Israel are finally into the promised land, and they get to Gilgal. That word Gilgal is is found in verse 9, and it simply means to roll away. That's why he said, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt off of you. Now we have to think about this just for a second before we get to the heart of the message. Now we have to understand, how long were they in the wilderness? 40 years. They were, so now they're in a place, they're in a brand new place. They're actually with a whole new generation of people. The people that are now in the promised land weren't in Egypt. So if these people weren't in Egypt, why did God feel it necessary to remove the reproach of Egypt if none of these people were in there? Maybe a good question. Maybe you've never asked yourself that, but I asked myself that. This new generation of people was not in Egypt, so why did it matter? Here's why. Because even though they were distant from Egypt, Egypt's disgrace was still on them. That's what the word reproach means, disgrace. And some of you know what it means to be distant from a sin that you've committed in your past, but the disgrace still follows you every single day. You know you're forgiven. You know you're set free. You know God has forgiven you, but yet the disgrace of Egypt follows you every day of your life. And these people, that they they weren't involved in in, in Egyptian slavery. They weren't in slavery. This is a whole new generation of people. But God said this disgrace has followed you because of your past. Your past has followed you ever since they left Egypt. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to reinstitute two old methods to make sure that I can roll away the reproach and the disgrace that has followed you all these years. The first one I've mentioned to you was circumcision. There's a reason why. Circumcision was their sign or their mark that they were under a covenant. Egyptians weren't circumcised. So think about this. That was the only way to make sure that they didn't look like Egypt. God had to take off of them what they had come out of. Their parents, their forefathers were circumcised, but they weren't a whole new generation of people that looked like Egypt. And he said, I've called you out of that world. And since I've called you out of that world, I'm gonna mark you and I'm gonna seal you under my covenant. Aren't you thankful tonight? Hallelujah, when he saved us, he saved us out of our path. He saved us out of our sin and he marked us with his precious blood. And then he said, "Reinstitute Passover. And we all know what Passover is. I hope you understand. I don't have time to fill in. But you know what happens at Passover? The firstborn died. But God said, I will pass over the homes that were covered in the blood of the lamb. So they had to be marked. They had to understand that they were separated, that they were away from Egypt, that Egypt was off of them. They had to be marked, but also they had to institute Passover because God wanted them always to remember the only reason why they're in the promised land is because a lamb had to die. Hallelujah! The only reason they're in this place is because a sacrifice was made. Hey man, can I remind you? We didn't get in this land of victory of anything we've done. No, the only reason why we're here and the reason why we celebrate his goodness is because a lamb had to die. Amen. Amen. And so now they're there. Now they're in Gilgal. And now God says, I want you to institute Passover. I want you to institute circumcision. So they did those things. So now they're there, they're in their promised land and look what happens. One sign that you know that you've reached the promise of God, God stops your miracle. God stops his goodness. You say, where do you get that? Verse 12, what did I tell you to pay attention to? And the manna ceased. What was the manna? That's what it was. The word manna in the Hebrew is what is it? We all know what manna was. It was the miracle meal. God sent it every day for 40 years along with quail, He sent them food every day in the wilderness. They didn't know what it was. They tried to figure it out. They described what it tasted like. But what was it? It was God's provision. It was necessary in the wilderness. But they're not in the wilderness anymore. God was good to them but he had something better. (laughs) They're not in the wilderness anymore. He had something better for them. There was a new group of people. They were now in a new place. God's promise was fulfilled and now he's given them new provisions. Listen, God wants to take you to a new level. And sometimes, when you get to that new level of victory, some things in your life have to stop. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes, God's miracles and God's goodness will stop when you reach the next level. Said Brian, "Why would you say that?" They finally came to a place. I believe the promised land, people liken it to heaven. I don't think that's a very good representation. Our pastor and myself, I think we agree on that. I know we agree on this. The promised land is a sign of a a victorious life. Now they are in a land of victorious living. The promise that God had gave them has now been fulfilled. They come to a place where they don't need manna anymore. They got comfortable living in the goodness of God. But now they're in a place where they don't need that anymore. God was good to them, but he had something better. Now, some of you are looking at me like, how can you preach something like this? I ain't done yet. (laughs) Would you agree that God gave the manna? Came from heaven, right? It appeared every morning. But God stopped it, would you agree? Why did he stop it? They didn't need it anymore. Why didn't they need it anymore? They were in a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Manna is great. Manna is good. It provided everything they needed for 40 years, but they're not in the wilderness anymore. They're in a land flowing with milk and honey. It would have been crazy for God to continue to give them manna when they had steak to eat every day. God does not want you eating wilderness food in the promised land. Manna is good. And I'm telling you what, fast food is great. It's good. It'll get you by. But I don't care what young people think. A home-cooked meal from my mama will be at any McDonald's or Wendy's any day of the week. It'll supply my need. Wendy's single with ketchup only, thank you very much, will supply my need. But there ain't nothing better. When I'm at my mama's house, I don't need Wendy's anymore. You understand what I'm saying? I've got her fridge full of home-cooked food. Why would I go to Wendy's when I've got... A land flowing with milk and honey. What I'm trying to tell you is, folks, uh, God did not intend for you to stay in the wilderness. You're in the promised land. Thank God, eat of the land of the milk and honey. Hallelujah. God changed their desire by changing their diet. He got rid of what was comfortable and said, Now I'm going to change what you're eating. And some of you, it's not that you don't need to eat. You just need to change what you're eating. Some of you have been living off manna and it's time for you to start eating the milk and honey. Do you realize you all are a hard group to pastor? And I say that with all kindness. Here's what I mean by that. It's difficult because we have a wide array of people that live in different spiritual levels. But the danger is this, the danger is some of you can think that you can get to a certain level and that's as far as you're gonna go. When some of you are down here thinking, you know what, I fill fill a pew, I give them the offering, I come when church doors are open and that's good enough. You know what you've been doing for 30, 40 years? You've been roaming in the wilderness. When all you gotta do is look around, there's a land flowing with milk and honey. Would you get off the manna and start eating what God has prepared for you? Amen. 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 Now think about this. Just because he, he gave it, right? He gave it and he stopped it. What does that teach us? That teaches sometimes what God gives us is not meant to be permanent. Pastor said it in the past and it bears repeating. There's some churches we've been to over the years that God sent them a gully washer 20 years ago. And they think that the same song they sang 20 years ago will still strike up that same golly washer today. Am I, am, am I the only one talking here? So they, they think that God will only show up if they sing those certain verses of that certain song. And you say, well, I, I, never, I never think that would ever happen at Rubyville. You can watch out. Some of you think that the only time God shows us is when King Jesus is saying. But I got news for you. He shows up when we sing, do you know how it feels? He shows up when we see the goodness of God. He shows up when we hear, speak the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, he shows up a lot of different times. Why? Because what he sends is not meant to be permanent. It's just a temporary, Well, it's just a temporary thing that he sends us to get us to the next level. Amen. Amen. He supplied them the manna. I gotta hurry up. He supplied them the manna supernaturally. But he stopped it. God says, now I'm going to supply it naturally. Cuz now they went from receiving food from above to food that was all around them. All they had to do was walk into it. Yeah. They were eating the fruit of the land. Amen. God it was there. God supplied it. It wasn't coming from above supernaturally anymore. It was coming naturally. So it wasn't gonna fall from heaven. They were walking in to the provision of God. Some of you are for waiting for God to send a miracle from heaven when your miracle's already all around you. You just gotta walk into it. Don't put God in a box and think that he can only answer a prayer and only provide for you in one certain way. Remember, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father. Sometimes it comes supernaturally, sometimes it comes naturally. But any time, every time, it always comes from him. So, they're eating the fruit of the land. But notice this, this is good. Can you give me two more minutes? Okay, don't matter if you did or not, I'm gonna take it. So they're eating the fruit of the land and they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self-same day. How many of you would agree there's two different types of corn there? Okay, there's old corn and there's parched corn. Parched corn is simply Corn that has been toasted or roasted. Popcorn with butter on it and salt. Again, I'm implanting the seed. So how many of you are gonna go have popcorn when you get home? See See what we do? See what we do? Parched corn, toasted corn. But old corn, what was that? I looked that up. That word old in the Hebrew means stored. Now, that opened up a whole different view. I thought, oh, they just eat the old corn of the land. That means they just went around and got the corn off the ground or whatever. But there's, that's a whole different meaning. It says they the stored corn and they ate the parched corn, which means it had been toasted, roasted, meaning it had been prepared. And that means the stored corn, the old corn and the parched corn that meant it had to be prepared and stored by somebody else. Can you hang, okay. Where'd the corn come from? Okay. Somebody had to parch it, roast it, toast it, and someone had to store it. It wasn't them, because they just got there. Guess whose it was? Go back to verse one. (laughs) There's two groups of people mentioned. The Amorites and the Canaanites. Guess who they were? They were the enemy. (laughs) Some of you are getting it. (laughs) Guess what happened? Oh, I got to come down here. Zach, when they saw, when they heard about what God had did for them, they got scared and ran away. But they left behind their corn. But wait a minute. Is not this the promised land? (laughs) Is not this the land that God said was theirs in the first place? So that was their corn. That was Israel's corn. So that means the enemy came in and took what wasn't theirs. So that means when the children of Israel got into the promised land, they began eating the old corn, the stored corn, and the parched corn. You say, Brian, that's great. They were eating corn. Oh, what you don't understand is this. They took back what the enemy had taken from (laughs) them. When they got to the promised land, God said, I'm stopping the manna because you've reached a new level. You've reached a new place of victory. And guess what I'm gonna do? Because of the promise, I'm gonna give back everything the devil took from you. Amen. Aren't you glad tonight? And thankful. Thank God that the enemy has nothing. Thank God when God says we can have it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. It's a long way up here. So what I'm trying to tell you is tonight, God's been so good to us. But it's time to get off the manna. It's time to live in the land of milk and honey. It's time to live off of what the enemy has taken from you. It wasn't his in the first place. So enjoy the spoils of the enemy. Enjoy what's rightfully yours. You say, Brian, how do I get there? How do I get there? Just inherit and walk into this land of promise. It's there for you. But let me remind you, once you get there, the manna has to cease. You can't go back there anymore because if you still eat and snack on it, The tendency is I want to go back there. But I'm telling you what, folks, there's a place of victory you can get that once you taste of what God's preparing for you in the promised land, you'll think, why did I ever eat that manna? Now here it is. It's simple. Either you do want it or you don't. me and pastor can preach our guts out to you all. And we have been and are trying our best. We're asking God to give us not fresh manna, fresh bread. Amen. To give to you. But it's not enough for your pastors to get to a new place. You've got to come along with us. Amen. Amen. And remember, You can get used to God's goodness and he has been good to you, but I'm telling you what's waiting on you in the promised land, if you just come and get it, the only thing that'll prevent you from doing it, it's not the devil, it's you, it's you. The wonderful thing is, I didn't read where anybody ever went hungry, millions of people. You know what that tells me? There's plenty for everybody. Come and eat as much as you want.